Welcome to Casual Watch Talk, the podcast from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel. Join us as we talk everything watches from watch collecting, the latest horology news and interviews. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Let's dive into the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to episode 11 of Casual Watch Talk. You're joined by Sam from the Casual Watch Viewer YouTube channel and Chris from Everyday Mastery on Instagram. Although he's part of the part of the Casual Watch Reviewer family now, I'd say he's now moder- moderating our Facebook group. So come on and have a chat with us. So how have you been? Yeah, how have you been, Chris? Pretty good, pretty good. As always with these shows, we like to start off with um, what watch are you wearing? So what watch are you wearing, Chris? Uh, so tonight I've got my uh, Casio on. I was out in the garage. And so I have my apparently uh, rare, <laughs> uh, my uh, Casio, uh, it's the, oh, what model is it? It's the uh, the 850, the, the DW850. I'll, I'll get back to you on that, but. Um, is this the like the original, not the original Range Man that's quite sought after? So it's a G-Shock Tough Solar, and it's uh, I think it's from like two thousand eight, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Oh, is it the Rally Timer? Yeah, it- yeah. So it's the GWM eight fifty, and it has a feature that uh, that only the Mudman and this GWM eight fifty has which is a rally countdown timer oh wow so for those of you not familiar how it works is uh when you start a rally in a rally car whether it's a speed distance rally or stage rally you leave on your minute so if you have to go at uh you know 710 um you will go you will wait till the clock says 709.59 and then when it flips over to 710 you go the rally timer feature allows you to start the countdown on your minute and then as it gets to the zero at to the next minute it counts you down it beeps at 15 and then at 10 and then gives you the beep at five four three two one and then it starts the chronograph on the minute we've never talked about this on the channel but that's one of your other hobbies is rally racing yep stage rally rally racing absolutely so uh so yeah there's uh you can get some very there are some very expensive, uh, you know, co-pilot rally uh, navigator watches that uh, that will do this. But like I said, the Casio Mudman and this uh, Solar G-Shock GWM850 uh, will do this. And then it, what's cool is you can actually, you can time your stage with it. So if you're driver or co-driver, you can keep track of uh, your stage times with it. It'll hold, uh, it'll hold a whole rally's worth of stages. It's pretty cool. That's really interesting because I've never heard of a G-Shock doing that. I know some of the Edifice models, and this is actually going to lead to our main topic of today, which we're going to talk about Casio watches. So maybe we don't want to go too into it now, but I didn't realize the G-Shock had that rally timer because I had an Edifice that had Mm -hmm. a lap timer on it for uh, racetracks. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if if that works kind of the same. And Casio's marketing actually calls it the rally timer. So oh, that's interesting. So that's what you're wearing. And then, of course, we like to do the what's have you had a watch obsession this week? Well, I guess I guess the watch obsession has been uh, has been G-Shock. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll expand on this in the in the main part of the show. And we'll we'll talk all about this. But I've got uh, sort of one thing led to another where I was 
looking at a watch that you had picked up, um, your new your new workout watch. Yeah. And I was just trying, you had described it, and I was like, which one is that? And then I was going through the different models and then just fell into, <laughs> as you do, fell into a watch obsession. Yep. Yeah, it's weird because I've been looking at G-Shocks and I don't know why this week. I mean, I really like this uh, DW600, but um, what I've been wearing mostly this week is I wore the Tudor Black Bay 58. I put it back into rotation. Not that it hasn't been in rotation, but I work a lot from home. I only go into the office like Mm -hmm. one or two days. So I've been finding myself wearing like the ultimate turtle when I've been at home or wearing uh, the G-Shock, the DW69900. So, But I have started wearing the Black Bay 58. It's on a NATO strap from Toxic NATOs. And have you heard of this company? Yes, yes. Yeah. This is the first time I've had one of their NATOs. It was kindly sent in by Chris, the uh, the channel's resident uh, military expert, aviation expert. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to get him on this week, uh, or we're going to have to get him on one of the weeks. I think it'll make for a really good episode, so we'll have to, yeah. we'll have to sort that and out. He had, so a that... Great, he had a great comment on Facebook and he had, about uh, about the polarized lenses in uh, band and airplanes, because all of the uh, all the screens and all the LCD panels in airplanes. So, cool. Cool stuff. That was amazing from last week, wasn't it? This was like a whole new world to me, polarized sunglasses. Uh, so go, yeah. if, you've not, if you're not uh, familiar with what we're talking about, go back and listen uh, to next uh, last week's episode, episode 10, where we talked about polarized uh, sunglasses, which was a comment from a, a viewer on the channel. So I've been wearing that, and I guess my watch obsession, I haven't really had one. Now, this is weird because I... I don't want to jinx it, but my Speedmaster might have sold. It's on its way to a a new buyer in the UK. Mm -hmm. And sending it to the UK, uh, for people that don't know, I live in California, even though I'm from like Stockport in uh, Manchester. It was nothing short of just a ginormous pain in the backside. I, I don't know if... I didn't know this, but if you send something that's over the value of $2,500, which Speedmaster clearly was, UPS just had a complete fit about it. So it got (laughs) as far as I I did the postage online. It got as far as Texas. And then the Texas, um, uh, somebody at the Texas facility sent this email and literally I was blown away by it. It asked for... I don't know if you've if you've ever seen this, but it asked for a power of attorney. So me to make UPS a power of attorney, I had to get an EIN number, which is essentially a, a, what? what an employee exactly. Yeah, and then they like, want like as if you were an LLC here. Yep, yep, exactly. As if you were a company selling this. Exactly, right. and then also I had to get a a license, a, a, a an export oh, license. And then this other thing, this BCH number or something. So I rung up UPS. They emailed me, let's say, at like 4 a.m. on Saturday morning. And I woke up, I mean, wide awake at 4.45. You know when you just feel like a disturbance in the force? Right. And you just wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, something's not right here. Something. And, I, and what I did is I, I did the postage at, uh, online at UPS, but I actually went into a UPS store. And because they're all franchises... Thinking, thinking they would take care of it, right? Thinking that it would be like an easier process. Absolutely. Yeah, so I did the post. I said, can you just check this over, make sure I got the right forms and everything? 
Anyway, so I rung UPS then. What's this? I said, I've sold this watch on... I sold this watch on the internet. It's a pre-owned watch. What? What is all these documents? Well, and he, he just was like, I don't know whether I flustered him or he was just explaining it. And as he was explaining it, it was it, it got worse and worse and worse. So I just said, look, this is ridiculous. I said, I'm not a company. I said, just please send it back to me. Just, yeah, just send it back. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Did you so did you stick with UPS? Did you switch over to Postal? What'd you do? Well, what happened was then he was like, okay, well, I'll just send it back. So then on the update, it just said like return sender. So then I messaged my the, the buyer, the current buyer, and of course we have a problem. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So um, uh, what does that look like with all the horology house stuff that's know, gone right? on? <laughs> exactly. It looked like a classic scam, right? And, and yeah. this guy, this no, guy was like freaking out. Yeah, this guy was really really nice about it he was like look i totally understand but to me i was like oh my god this this is how like horology house would have started that scam wouldn't it oh it, right, customs right. or whatever well you know ups and they're not really sure and you're like ah, oh, alarm but same thing with you at four o'clock in the morning alarm bells are going off you're like what is happening so then i thought it was coming back to me so i guess it got to monday and a guy like in the evening rings me up from ups and says hey we've got this package for you. And I said, yeah, I know you, you kind of return it to me. He says, well, they asked me to give you a call before we returned it. So then hmm. he starts talking me through it. And he's like, look, the power of attorney is you only have to fill out one of the documents. Cause one was, if I was like a shipping multiple items, he says, just, you know, just okay. sign it and, and put it on. It just says that we can pass it through customs. And then he said, just go on this IRS website and register for an EIN number. So I'm now registered under my full name as a, a, an employer in California. Really? Oh, jeez. But okay. it, only, it only took like a few minutes. God knows yeah. what yeah, come tax season, uh, what, what I'm going to have to do come tax season, but um, probably, who knows? But um, yeah, no, it's, it, it, it reminds me of, um, uh, it reminds me of any time uh, if, you're, if you're a race team and you travel with uh, tires in your race truck, so like you're going to either Canada or Mexico with your race car, and you have like tires and gasoline, like th- like th- they just they they're like, oh, well, you're gonna sell these tires, and you're like, no, these tires are for this race car in the trailer, literally, and they're like, oh, right, well, we need receipts for all the tires, and you're like, I don't have receipts for all these tires and all the fuel and everything, and then suddenly you're like, oh no, you're in, you're a major importer of like, so. So Sam, I, clearly you're you know you're you're running this major importation of you know Speedmasters. <laughs> it, chances would be a fine thing, wouldn't it, if I was like selling Speedmasters like they were going out of fashion? But um, so then I said, so then it, so he he kind of talked me through it, and he said, look, just fill out this document. He said, don't worry about the other two things, the import license, it's a pre-owned watch, and this other thing where I had okay. to get like a special code. Anyway, so I sent it. I sent the documents back to him. I just kind of signed it and then I put this uh, EIN number on. So hopefully, fingers crossed that it arrives with the new uh, buyer safely. It is currently in the UK at the moment. He's had to pay. I'll, I'll update this next week, but he's had to pay a hell of a whack in import duty. Yeah, I think like anything over like 50 bucks, you have to pay something. And then depending on what it is, like you said, $2,500, it like flags alarm bells. And you're like, guys, it's this is used. Like, this is why I'm. Uh, I was just, uh, I was looking at watches. I was looking at a watch on eBay from Japan, and I'm glad I took a breath because apparently it's the same. It's the same story. So, like, 
Japan will box up the watch and send it to you, but then U.S. Customs is like, this is a $3,000 thing, so you're going to need to go ahead and give us, <laughs> you know, X amount of percentage of money right now. And so then you you look on, so, I mean, for those uh, browsing eBay in Japan, I mean, you look and you're like, oh, there's some good, there's some decent, like like Speedmasters and stuff from, from Japan and et cetera. There's some good prices. But then in the back of your mind, you have to realize, like, that's that's hitting a port and uncle sam wants his his cut i'm gonna go into more of that and of course i'll make a youtube video on reasons why i sold my uh, speedmaster so look out for that on the channel so should we dive into a few news stories chris yeah awesome sounds good first news story and these are all from watch pro i kind of just scout watch pro has had some really good stories this week we're a bit light on news stories last week but this week it's been pretty good so first mm-hmm. one, and this leads into our bigger Casio conversation that we're going to have at the end of this uh, as the main topic. So G-Shock have now released a a watch to compete with smartwatches. So it's a, it's called the GBD H1000. It's got the usual ABC, you know, uh, barometer, compass, altimeter, but they've added a heart rate sensor. And they've also added uh, an accelerometer or an acceleration sensor, they're calling it. What's interesting about this is it's not a smartwatch. It's not one of the Samsung uh, Gear watches because they Mm -hmm. do have some of those. So I think this is interesting. It's also got GPS in it. So it looks like the last range man that they did with the GPS. So it's got almost like a dot matrix display on it. So I guess mm-hmm. it would be similar to maybe like a Pebble watch or something like that. Uh, oh, that God, that's showing my age, isn't it? Pebble's long gone. But um, so yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> it, what do you think of this? Because and we'll talk about this in the main subject, I suppose. But Casio have been a bit late to the game with the smartwatch. And do you think this is going to get any traction in the face of because Garmin's doing some great things with smartwatches? You know, Samsung, uh, a bit hit or miss, but, you know, definitely the Apple Watch is is doing really well. And you've got everybody seems to have a smartwatch at the moment. I think they're, you know, from the look of it, I mean, you're definitely right. That sort of range man, G-Shock look, um, I think they're going after their market, which is, you know, their their customers that would that will, you know, get get this sort of style of watch um with these sort of additional features i think you're right i think they they didn't really jump into it but this definitely looks like sort of a calculated uh attack on it it looks because it looks i mean it looks like a cool military heavy duty casio range man style that sort of big bulky 47 mil g-shock um and it's you know and it's it doesn't look like it it's not running like an os so it's it's their own their own thing so it's sort of a simple you know sort of simple operating system or simple like computer in it yeah uh, it it's 65 mil <laughs> so it's it's definitely a big oh, one yeah, yeah, it's def- yeah it's definitely a big, a big watch of 47 <laughs> yeah it's i no, think no, it's, let, I, I, let me just <laughs> double check that but i'm sh- i'm sure it's um i'm sure it's coming in at 65 mil but uh let me just i'm just gonna uh, just just bear with me a second caller while i uh while I look at this but it's um 63 63 63 by oh, 55 63. all right oof oof but uh, yeah, if it's if it's not running, I think I think maybe that 
is sort of something so for for the guys i mean speaking as a casio person myself yeah um i would rather have uh, a computer watch that's that's just running something that's just always going to work and not have the operating system the second a smartwatch goes on my wrist and has to boot like a windows 10 machine i'm i'm, I'm out i'm like this is a watch it has to like it has to tell time it has to tell time it has to do what it says it's going to do on the box and so like that instant on sort of nature um if if they can pull that off i think they've got some market here you know no i'm, I'm totally with you For, you know ver- versus the your typical you know your apple watch is like it's a phone. It's a camera. It, you can talk into it. Uh, it makes pizza. You can order Uber. You know, whatever. And it's, that's great. But like at the same time, like, and it'll it freezes, and it's it's weird when you have too many icons on the screen, and it's impossible to see in certain settings. You know, stuff like that. So heartbeat sensor cool, and then it's got the the other the other sensors in it. Yeah, I think I think it's a pretty cool watch. I'm sure it will have that proprietary charger as well, don't they? They have like a little clip thing that goes on the back of the Rangeman. So I'm sure that's got something similar. Yeah. Next story, we've talked about this, I think, three or four times now, and it's amazing that it's still really dominating the news. And this is the coronavirus. I'm sure you have some stock portfolio, either whether it's a retirement or whatever. My savings, I have like an actively managed. Um, no, I'm an I'm an index fund guy. I just I'm just let it let it do its thing thing was it's not been doing its thing this week i mean it is the stock market has just slid this week big time because of the coronavirus and what was one of the interesting things well two interesting things from a watch pro article were that also the watch companies have been taking a big slide as well based on the coronavirus because of course there's a lot of business in the asian markets the update here as we record uh there was someone in northern california that picked it up that they don't know how they got it but for the most part it's been pretty pretty contained here in the united states although if you watch the nightly news they've been losing their mind about it which it's like (laughs) like they show they will show six minutes of just absolute like coronavirus crazy and then be like, the CDC says, be prepared. And then they're like, well, what, what should we do? And they're like, well, don't, you know, run out and get groceries or anything. And so there's very uncertainty in the market. And like uncertainty equals uncertainty in the market. And um, yeah, I looked at the Dow today and we're like 400 points away from 2018. So just kind of going back to 2018 then, I guess, with the stock market. It's awful, isn't it? Um, so this has been affecting the watch companies. So, so far... Mm-hmm. The watch companies aren't actually doing that well at their stocks in general, but Swatch got took a hit of 13% of their stock price. Yeah. Richemont was down 9.1%. LVMH, which, of course, they've got their other lines. They've got, um, you know, H- uh, Hennessy, which, you know, people might be hitting the bottle if they're fear of them. If they're, if they're fear of, uh, you know, there's a pandemic. We actually talked about all these last week, which was good. Yeah, we did. We went through all the brands. So they, they're they only down 7.9%. But it really goes to show you that the luxury manufacturers that suffer, that really are kind of suffering because of this this coronavirus. But um, anyway, I wonder if uh, Rolex, whether this will be a wake-up call for Rolex. Probably not. But uh, anyway. And I think two, twofold, uh, not only do you have a huge uh, Asian market for luxury watches, but 
on the on the supply end, you've got manufacturing there. You know, you've got manufacturing production. I mean, Seiko and and movements and micro brands. And I would not be surprised if we see this sort of trickle into into micro brands that can't get stuff. Or- this will be a real wake up call for the world that if mm-hmm. the supply chain in China stops, just how dependent we are on Chinese yeah. parts for. You know, Chinese plastic parts for absolutely, absolutely everything in our in our daily life. But anyway, let's try and finish on the last news story on a bit of a a bit of a lighter note. Ball watches are re-releasing their uh, hydrocarbon watch. I think it's called. This is after fifteen years of since it was first released. Now, a very important question for you, Chris, is: Have you ever handled another man's ball? <laughs> uh, you couldn't resist. You couldn't resist. <laughs> I, I, uh, yes, I have. I've held another man's ball, yes. <laughs> and, and were you uh, impressed? <laughs> Just slides right to zero. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they're, uh, they are, they're, I mean, they're, they're cool watches. I, you know, I like, uh, I like some of their stuff. Yeah, they have a, quite a dedicated fan base, don't they? And they have a, yeah. like, a ma- like a pre-order system, don't they, where a lot of the watches you pre-order before, and they're not a micro brand, I don't think by any by any stretch, but they sort of pre-order it, don't they, to have a yeah to kind of build up. They use the those tritium tubes, don't they? And sometimes it looks right. a bit weird on the dial where they made the numbers out of them. But this hydro hydrocarbon one is um, it's actually incorporated in the bezel, uh, they, which apparently is like hundred times better than Superluminova. Have you ever seen this in person? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it in person and and uh, you know in person loom. It's uh, it's pretty cool. But I, but I have a uh, I I did hear a story that I'd like to share about sort of one of the reasons why they why they do it. So those tritium tubes they're regulated by like the Atomic Energy Commission here in the United States. So have fun shipping one of these, by the way, have fun shipping one of these as used to the UK. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, the, so they, they regulate the tritium and the tubes and, but it's interesting, they regulate the sale of them. So I heard that one of the reasons why, um, and let me just check, I'm pretty sure they're not on Amazon, like you can't buy them. It's sort of like a hazardous material. Uh, or it, like they have to come from the manufacturer is what I'm saying. You can buy them on, you can buy them on Amazon, but, the, but they have to, you can't, like they're not third-party seller. Like well, I don't think they resold. have any, uh, yeah, they don't have dealer, dealerships. Like if you buy it, it's from them. So I wonder if, I wonder if you did have a, re- a reseller in between, whether they'd have some kind of like hazmat license maybe. Yeah, yeah. Wow. They, like to report it or whatever. So it's an interesting way that I mean I don't know if they're I mean I think I would if I if I had some way to control the market and sell of the after market and distribution of my product I might take that to my advantage. So maybe it's hogwash, I don't know. I heard this. That's my conjecture on uh ball but uh but with the with the tritium the control of the sale of the tritium tubes uh from the manufacturer yeah, and I've, uh, the only other watch I think that I know that uses these are some marathon watches, don't they? You can have a yeah. choice. Yeah, so that was interesting. Uh, before we jump into our main topic, just stop for a little quick ad break. Okay, okay guys, welcome back. Now on our main topic is going to be a general discussion about Casio because 
Casio was certainly the reason as a kid that I got into watch collecting. Uh, yeah, sort of same story. We were talking about this just a little bit before the show when we you know go over stuff. Uh, Sam and I had sort of a similar experience, and I and I'm assuming that a lot of our listeners um, have had this as well. You know, as a kid, getting that you know cool watch, you know that that has sort of uh, special functions, and Casio definitely nailed that when I was an 11 year old. And so while we were talking about uh, some of the ones that we had, now I had one of the original calculators, uh, not the not the ones with the push button, but the actual like the flat, the flat vinyl buttons, in- yeah. impossible to press, like even as a little kid. <laughs> and I remember having that watch for not a long time. And one day I stuck my hand in a fish tank. I was just just going around in the fish tank and then i looked and i saw my watch through the glass in the fish tank and i was like oh no and so those those early calculator watches were not waterproof they were not they were not at all splash or anything so uh yeah so needed a needed a new one definitely as a kid I was all about Casio watches in fact I've got a little history trail here of the Casio watches that I've um that I've gone through so I also had that nice. The first ever calculator watch that had the the button, the rubber buttons that protruded beyond the case, made very famous by Back to the Future. That was the yeah, CA53W-1, and I loved that watch. I, I remember having it as a kid and being in shops and stuff, hoping that somebody might ask me to calculate <laughs> something. Do you know what I mean? Could you get the tip? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, yeah, we yeah, didn't tip not, in the no, UK, but yeah, uh, UK, we. Uh, right, right. But it was yeah, definitely like oh oh I've got oh I have got a calculator trying to be like a friendly sort of six year old. Yeah, it was. I I just loved that watch. Loved it. Of course, yeah. I had, and my dad had one of these as well. The ubiquitous Casio that we joked about, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago? Right. That it seems to get a free pass with watch collectors the f9 1w-1 which is that you know the the very classic 15 dollar one now i don't know yep. if you've if you ever heard this about the rumors that it was nicknamed by i think the u.s armed forces in afghanistan and iraq as the terrorists watch have you heard this before yeah i have heard that i heard that yeah the bbc did a great article on it because it just became ubiquitous as the terrorist watch, oh, not only geez. did they wear it, but they also would use these for, unfortunately, for the IEDs and things like that. Oh, interesting. It's amazing, that, like Casio and pop culture. It's like the Toyota 4Runner with the 50 cal uh, mounted in the in the bed of it, <laughs> you know. It's like, well, you know, it's a nice 4Runner, but at the same, you know, or, or the Tacoma or whatever, you know. It's like, well, it's a nice Tacoma, but... Yeah, I remember in the 80s, remember when it was that Mercedes, that the the one Mercedes that had like the, the huge front windscreen. All the dictators had, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, then I had, which I loved. There was the two next watches, I loved these ones, and I wish I could buy them again. One of them I could buy again, but the other one, the prices are ridiculous on eBay. So the first one was that mm. data bank. The DBC-32-1A. Yep. This was like the ultimate calculator watch, wasn't it? It was sleek. It was mm-hmm. promoted as like a business watch. You could store phone numbers on it. It had a partly a dot matrix display. You, it had were, a memory. you were a professional nine-year-old. <laughs> That's great. And Casio were like pioneers of that yeah, at the time. Yeah. I mean, they, their, their watch technology was way ahead of everybody else, I think, at one time. I can definitely remember spending... A good half hour 
like with the buttons on the watch, like before you could interface it with a computer, typing in people's phone numbers into my watch. I definitely remember doing that. Oh, yeah. And this was pray you know a casio even made little um pocket organizers where they called as well that you could put mm-hmm. this in but yep, this was yep. before pre-palm pilot and all of that stuff so right, that was right, those were really yeah. cool and then the pinnacle for me the one that i owned and then i'm going to talk about one that i didn't own was the tv remote control watch this was oh, wow. a revolution this thing when it came out i remember wow. I remember being at school and having one, and not only could you control your television with it, so if anybody's not familiar, it looked like a calculator watch. It would. Do you know the one I'm talking about, Chris? Yeah, yeah, I just pulled it up. So it looked like a calculator watch, and what you could do is it had pre-programmed TV manufacturers in there, or what mm-hmm. was so cool is you could hold your TV remote control up to it. It was actually programmable? Programmable. Wow. It was incredible, and I would love to own one again, but they are, to get a decent one now, $200 maybe? You can get a really beaten up one for like $100. Yeah, I had, so my ultimate was the thermometer, the TS-100, and it was a world time, and it had a thermometer in it, and it's like, it has a like metal circle in the center of it with like where the, you know, 1980s transistor goes, or 1990s, but... What was cool about it is it was designed in a way that it would pick up the air temperature and it would, I mean, again, Casio being ahead, like they, like they had the technology to know that, okay, well, if you put a watch on a 98 degree, you know, wrist, that, that the heat's going to soak through the, the watch and so that you're going to get a weird reading. Well, they, they had the wherewithal to know that and they had a, a correction factor built in. So that you could reliably like look at your watch and be like, oh, okay, it's 50 degrees out and just know and kind of the way they designed it was very cool. And same story. Yeah. And same story with the, um, I just looked on eBay for them. There was one that is the cheapest one, hundred dollars. And it is just, it looks like the dog got it. It's just like, it's, it's sanded off. It's rough. It's got chunks taken out of it. And you're just like, oh God, <laughs> I want to reissue. I want the reissue. That's the unfortunate thing, isn't it? With these plastic watches. Um... And then, of course, for me, the one that I didn't own, but I was obsessed with as a kid, but it was very expensive. In fact, I think it's even expensive now to get a decent pre-owned one, probably about $100, $150, was the PRT-40, which I think might have been the first altimeter barometer compass watch that they did. And it had compass bezel on it. I mean, this thing, you could actually, the sensors protruded out of the case. This is 67 millimeters. And the altimeter, and I think the barometer sensor, it had a metal covering over it, which looked like a car grill. I mean, this thing was no doubt about what it was. It wasn't shy about what it was. Those sensors were loud and proud on the side. I And I fantasize again about buying this watch. I fantasize again about buying the remote control watch, but I, I don't know whether the memory is better than actually physically owning it. Because I did rebuy a Swatch watch right. a couple of years ago, thinking that, oh, I really love that watch. Why did I sell it? And then it didn't live up to it. So these things I might kind of um, consign to. Your kid hero watch, basically. <laughs> and yeah. so like, yeah, nowadays you're like, oh God, this is this is hideous and it's huge. And you're like, oh, I mean, it's nostalgia, definitely. But, uh, and and. You know, this was just the beginning of, I mean, like speaking of the sensors, like the thermometer, barometer, I mean, like we were just into 
the the era where they started to make these sensors actually compact so again casio taking advantage of that technology that like mems technology that that just came out to allow them to to have these sensors i mean before before this today we talk about accelerometers and like every one of our phones whatever in 1975 if you had an accelerometer it was three gyroscopes in a package you know the size of you know like a a four foot cube (laughs) so again the you know thermometer the uh the barometer setting you know sensors these sensors um yeah really taking advantage of it so go casio i guess an interesting question is Considering they were so far ahead of their time in 70s, 80s, 90s, maybe early 2000s, and then they they bought out the stroke of genius of creating the G-Shock in 1983. It was incredible, Mm -hmm. but I wonder why they have not, and this is speculation, and I'll tell you why I'm speculating, but I think Mm -hmm. that their smartwatches, their that run on the Samsung gear aren't doing as well as they think they are. A, because I've never seen anybody wear one. I've never seen a single one <laughs> on a watch forum. And also, I don't know if you know this, but there is a a Casio overstocked type site. It's run by Casio. You can go on there and they're selling stuff off cheap. And this thing, oh, wow. yeah, there's an odd, there's they're like a few odd colored G-Shocks on there, but there is a lot, a lot of these Samsung gear watches on there that they've made. So I wonder whether yeah. I wonder why they're struggling with it. Maybe because they've gone the opposite way and made them look more rugged, whereas mm-hmm. the Samsung and the Galaxy watches and a few of the others have gone to more of like a casual type of watch. Where Casio kind of went all in with this Pro Trek they branded it as, and it, oh, it's an outdoors watch. What what do you think? What do you think on that? Yeah, the, with the smartwatch stuff, I, I I'm not I'm not entirely sure why Casio didn't. Because they definitely waited on it. Like, I felt like at one point in maybe, like, 2007, 8, maybe 2000, it was kind of like, why isn't Casio in this, like, space? Like, they were, you know, they were the watchmaker, you know, of my childhood. Like, why are... And innovative watchmaker. So, um, but I but I also see that, that the electronics required to get in the and the technology and the the r&d to get into that market was changing so fast i mean like you know same thing with you know cell phones i think the early i mean do you remember like the early microsoft watch no. so they had my yeah microsoft came, microsoft came god when was that like 2000 i'll have to look i want to say like 2004 or something like that where they there were were billboards downtown and they were just they were they wanted everybody to have a microsoft and like you can put your office calendar on it and you know amazing well i had the microsoft watch that was a collaboration with um timex the one that actually went to the international space station that was an incredible watch the data link uh, yeah data link i was i think it was after that i think it was it's like a smartwatch instead of a digital. Yeah, smartwatch, early smartwatch like like we were walking around with palm pilots and stuff and um and i think I think the R&D required, like, I think Casio had sort of, like, at that point, like, they, they get what they're doing and they, and they have the, you know, they have the understanding of their, what they're doing in their market. And for them to put, you know, an operating system and a, and a watch with, a com- like, a serious computer in, in their watch, I mean, I, I, think it, I think it was maybe, maybe too, much for the, too much of a reach at the time. 
And in some cases, you know, I, I agree with you. Like I, I don't see them. I don't see them everywhere. I do. I do see the gear, the Samsung. I, I see a bunch of them occasionally. Um, but it's, you know, and everyone, you know, now everyone Apple watch, you know, whatever. But, uh, but, but I think that, uh, the market with, buying i think casio's got the like you buy this and this is your watch now <laughs> whereas like a samsung like smartwatch is like oh well this is the new smartwatch and in six months it's going to be obsolete and in a year we'll buy another one and the battery life that's a certain curiousness of why casio didn't get into it but but i think there's a lot of pitfalls to the smartwatch industry you know but i mean battery life just being one of them like i like you know, it's now watches will last a couple of days on your wrist, but like the early ones were like twelve hours. Like I'm not, I'm not charging this thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible that isn't it? I mean, I suppose we can't finish a conversation without Cass- about Casio without talking about the G Shocks. Um, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I've obviously been obsessed with this G Shock. We've been talking about this kit one the last couple of weeks, but you found uh, an interesting yeah. one for your wife, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was looking through and. Um, I was looking at uh, the original, the uh, the fifty six hundred, um, and just sort of trying to remember. I definitely had one when I was a kid, the DW fifty six hundred. Um, I think I I think I I had one, and I specifically remember getting another watch, getting another G Shock, and giving my old one to a friend, who then wore it. So I mean, it was like you know definitely a big part of my childhood, and um, I was searching around and apparently they made a uh pokemon pikachu uh limited edition that that comes in the cool pokeball for those for those people those folks and my wife uh is obsessed with uh pokemon uh so enjoys the games pokemon go etc hangs out with friends etc so uh so i uh, her birthday's coming up so i said i'll just pick this up for her because i think it's got the cool like strap and it's this sort of vintage G-Shock. Um, and you know, my wife's, as, you know, I'd say as much of a nerd, maybe a little bit more than I am. <laughs> so hopefully she'll appreciate it. Uh, and she's very much, uh, uh, you know, she'll wear a nice dress watch when she goes out. She'll, she has a, I got, we got, uh, she got a uh, Frederic Constant um, dress watch and she has a couple other older dress watches that she enjoys and i try not to push my watch obsessions onto her day to day like she 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 wants a digital watch on her wrist she's a scientist she needs to look down at her wrist and time stuff and see what time it is and like she's no nonsense she's like i can barely read an analog watch it's hilarious (laughs) my favorite graffiti artist or one of my favorite graffiti artists of all time was that keith herring who unfortunately passed away in the the 90s but his art very famous um mainly in new york but his art they've they've made two limited edition g-shock watches with very famous um if if you've seen keith herring's work it's you know sort of like outlines not exactly stick men but outlines of men and there's a dog and oh right really famous familiar with it before trolls were famous i suppose he did a very famous troll he trolled andy warhol by making him into mickey mouse <laughs> so there's a very famous um andy mouse painting that he did and g-shock have made two limited edition watches of it that using his artwork now mm-hmm. this is the 
this is what I'm torn by is they would just be in the drawer they would i wouldn't wear them because right. i'd be afraid of wearing yeah. them so i don't want to yeah. buy them. i don't want to start collecting right, g-shocks own them yeah um but uh yeah so that was interesting so guys um we'd be really interested to know what are your favorite g-shocks let us know or, or favorite casio watches or if you've got some great casio stories let us know. You can leave us a message. We, we've left. We'll leave the link in the show notes. You can actually pull, leave a voice message for us, and we can play it on on the podcast. Or you can ask us a question. We can answer. Or definitely join the Facebook group. We've got some lively conversation on there at the moment. You can ask us questions on there. You can interact with uh, Chris and I. Or you can contact us on our Instagram. Mine is the Casual Watch Reviewer on Instagram, and Chris is uh, Chris at Everyday Mastery. Before we finish up, Chris, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I've got one more. I've got one more Casio story for us. Oh, yeah. And this is uh, when I got into watches years ago. One of the things that I I sort of do with cars and I sort of now start to do with watches is just general watch spotting. And so I'm sort of fascinated by the watches that people wear and, and people of influence, so to speak. And what they're wearing and why they're wearing it and this these sort of you know this sort of thought experiment that goes behind it um but a couple of years ago uh the former chief of staff john kelly was seen wearing a a watch as he did his classic uh face palm shot at one of the uh i think it was at the un i believe uh and we're not gonna get into politics but he was it was the most perfect uh watch shot because he was like head down face palm and but just it was just his his watch and it you know is this black sports watch with uh arabic numerals and everybody was like oh we think it's like uh you know is it a is it a tag is it like one of these uh you know one of these uh sort of special military watches you know is it a is it a you know uh like you mentioned marathon is you know and and so the internet kind of blew up a little bit and uh over on reddit there was some conjecture. Well, it turns out after gathering a couple more photos, uh, John Kelly wore and still wears, apparently, I've seen him in, in sort of more recent interviews, the MRW 200, that $12 analog Casio that you can just pick up anywhere, any Target, Walmart. <laughs> he wears it with a suit in the white house which is just you know it's just like the and again not getting political but it's just like clinton with his timex i mean you're just like oh god what are you with the suit you're like oh stop yeah steve jobs with right. his seiko yeah. i mean that is a good point on g-shock isn't it i mean g-shock has gone from maybe digital watches you could argue at one point had maybe a little bit of a geeky kind of image to them but yeah um, yeah g-shock transcended that i mean every rapper would be proud to have a g-shock floyd mayweather's collection of those diamond encrusted g-shocks is incredible right yeah yeah it's interesting and just sort of like just thinking about like how i would love to ask him how he ended up with it because i uh, my take is he had some you know some beat up seiko on a you know spider fleck you know, gold bracelet that just broke and he was on his way somewhere in a, you know, C-130 <laughs> and just and just stopped off wherever, walked into a Target, walked into a Walmart, picked this off the shelf and that's his watch. I mean, just... Oh, John Kelly, uh, yeah. Yeah, John Kelly, yeah. Amazing just to think like how he ended up with it, so... <laughs> 
So I, I've nicknamed it the, uh, you'll see it in my feed occasionally. It's my sort of my beater watch. I picked one up and uh, I have nicknamed it the chief of staff. So <laughs> I, will be, I will be seen mowing the lawn with the chief of staff. So. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's been it's been a really in, a very nostalgic uh, researching mm-hmm. all these watches and getting the correct part numbers was very nostalgic of my youth. I have owned a Casio. I had the, uh, the Edifice one, the Bluetooth one that had the lap timers in it. But at that time, I'd sort of properly got into, I think, mechanical watches and that those kind of hybrid watches i just wasn't really feeling at the, at the time but um been a really interesting discussion of course we really appreciate you listening if you let us know on facebook what you think if you've got any uh, suggestions for a show that would be awesome um it, thanks chris again for uh, for joining me this week yeah thanks sam okay guys thanks again and we'll see you next time on casual watch talk thanks guys bye <laughs>